later in the former Sears Tower building, now called Willis Tower, Leonard Greyjoy traveled up the elevator waiting to get to the right floor. The doors of the elevator opened to the 70th floor. He felt out of place walking in, but knew that he had to do this sooner or later. An African-American woman with wavy hair caught his eye. She was dressed in a gray skirt and a periwinkle blouse. She looked over at Leonard Greyjoy. She was taller than most women he had come across, but that made no difference. She responded with a husky voice. Mm, can I help you? Hi, I'm, I'm here to see Mr. Gordon. Are you Greyjoy? He was puzzled as to how she knew who he was, but took that as a sign that Mr. Gordon was expecting him. She called on an intercom. Mr. Gordon, Greyjoy is here. Send him in. She stood up out of her seat to direct him and pointed to a pair of double glass doors to her right. Go on in there. There's the first door on the left. Greyjoy walked through the doors. Greyjoy walked through the doors. Matthias Gordon sat at his desk writing something. Greyjoy swallowed loudly in nervousness. You, you sent for me, sir? Sit down. I hope Ursula didn't give you the heebie-jeebies. She has a tendency to scare some of my clients coming in. Greyjoy sat down in a leather chair in front of Gordon's desk. Gordon continued working without looking up. Leonard took this as small talk. No, sir, she's just taller than most women I come across. Gordon finally stopped working and directed his full attention at Leonard. That's because she used to be a man, Greyjoy. She's transgendered. Wow. Remarkable plastic surgery, but that is not the reason I called you up here. You had a visitor last night. I overheard your conversation with Peter this morning. I, I, I did, sir. Um. Well... The wards and protection spell worked, or there is a good chance. Did you tell this visitor anything? Not anything the apparition could work with. Apparition? Yeah, it was the exact same thing that visited Chase. He came for me. You broke protocol, Greyjoy. This matter should have come up to us last night as soon as it was over. Why didn't you report? Sir, I, I've been told before by my superiors not to call too late. You work for me in the military department, Greyjoy. That is understandable if I need to break some bones, but this matter is occult-related. In a matter like this, I would have made an exception. Now I have to meet up with Sion Davenport to discuss this matter, and I hate having to deal with Davenport, but I'd rather do that than talk to Dragon Pastelli, or worse, Grand Dragon Minol about how the shadow creature could have potentially gotten into an event and destroyed our cover because some idiot yokel who works in a fucking hotel fucked up! Greyjoy cowered in his chair as Gordon got up out of his and raged at Greyjoy. Do you realize that what you might have done in trying to save your own skin is jeopardize the order that you so swore I'm to sorry, protect- I'm sorry, I didn't know what else to do. I had, I had the idea that all this stuff was real. I thought what? it was- 
You thought that it was just a branch of our order that dealt with make-believe shit? Well, actually... Gordon sat back down in his chair and pointed a finger at Greyjoy. You! You! Tonight after work, you and I are going to meet up with our region's sign of spells, Lester Davenport. But... You are not getting out of this! We will meet with Davenport, the man that normally takes care of all this shit, and he will guide us in what is next for you in the shadow creature. Then we'll see who has the last laugh. The last thing you want is Dragon Pastale getting involved. If you're asking if I told her about the night child, then no, I haven't. Nor will I. <clears throat> but you should really think about doing so soon. She's not stupid, you know. Christian sat in his rented Dodge Avenger while speaking on the phone. With all the crap going on, especially with Sandy, I don't think she'd be able to take it. Well, if Sandy's pushing your mother too far. I wish you had a better sense of duty like you do, but you know her father. Christian and Sandy did not share the same father. Sandy's father was a little on the wild side, and due to his mother's proclivity in her younger days for dating dangerous men, Sandy's father died in a massive car accident while drag racing. Christian's father was another story altogether. Christian sipped a cup of coffee. I already had my party years, Grandpa. She'll eventually come out of it. I'm not sure of that. This isn't party behavior, Christian. She's getting reckless. And the town council's looking at depressing the matter further. Christian got out of his car and walked into the federal building. Well, that's not good, Grandpa. She's even got a brand new tattoo while looking in, in jail, apparently. She told. Looks like nothing I've ever seen before. Can I crazy oh, really? look at uh, What did it look like? Please tell me that it didn't look like a circle with lines in it and the sun in the middle. How did you know that? Yes, as a matter of fact, it does, but uh, don't quote me on it. I didn't have my glasses on. She started really acting arrogant and was getting out of prison sooner rather than later. A myriad of things began to swim in Christian's brain. The night before, the Greyjoys and the meeting with Paul all began to overwhelm him. Now this was going to send him over the edge. He stopped and leaned up against the wall, holding his head. Oh my god. What? What's going on, Christian? Are you okay? Grandpa, fuck. Grandpa, I... I think she might have joined a very bad gang. Did my sister... No. Could my sister have just joined the other... I don't know what you're thinking, boy. You don't have... You think that maybe Sandy's part of this weird organization that the night has been fighting? I can't be sure until I see her. Remember, you didn't get a good look at the tattoo. Uh, until then, just keep a lid on it. Make sure Mom doesn't know, Grandpa. This is another thing she does not need to worry about. Well, that's one thing I know about boys keeping secrets. I keep yours, don't I? Moments later, Christian got off the elevator and saw Agent Helena Burke standing outside the doors of the office. Christian was in a dark gray suit with a purple tie and was carrying a briefcase containing the cloak of night, as well as a tan rucksack. Hey lady, this isn't your office building. Well, this isn't your building either, Oklahoma. Touche. Any news? What's going on? Helena looked around to see if there was anyone that was suspicious. Let's talk inside, huh? What I have could be big. 
they walked into the office. When they were inside and in a quiet area, Helena pulled Christian close. I got a phone call last night that really interested me and especially my supervisor. They have me going to New Orleans to check up on the lead. Christian felt deflated, but still wanted to seem playful. So you're leaving me now, huh? You know the territory. Duty calls. I will say it's been really interesting and fun working with you, Christian. They gazed into each other's eyes. It was a clear attraction as the moment seemed to last a lifetime. Why New Orleans? From what I have gathered, the Ordo Vitalis is a nationwide conspiracy. Several cities have influences of OB activity where a select few have them rule their territories. They've infiltrated the local police, government, and in some instance churches to spread their influence. New Orleans is ripe with all that. It seems that there's a captain who was put on administrative leave along with the detectives under him in regards to him calling the FBI because of recent activities there. I talked to him personally as he asked about a conspiracy that was being covered up from within his board of trustees and in the police union. Shit ton of murders that have been happening since the Super Bowl was held there. Let me guess. Tattoos? Correct, Amundo. But I'm pretty sure you didn't need to come up to this office if that's all you had to tell You uh, could have done that over the phone. It was like the barrier between the two agents had finally come crashing down as Helena walked back towards him. She leaned into Christian, closed her eyes, and kissed him slowly and sensually with this. Christian reciprocated the affection as he grabbed a hold of her and caressed her. That's why. I want to see you again. Well, you have my number. Use it when you get back to New Orleans. Helena kissed him once more on the cheek. I will. She then walked out of the office, passing by another suit man coming in. He was dressed in a blue suit and was adorned with a pair of rimmed bifocals. Christian straightened himself as the man grinned. You, uh, have some, uh, lipstick on you. Lips and cheek, uh, Agent Hawk. Thank you, sack attorney. He said as he grabbed his handkerchief with one hand to wipe off the lipstick, and he shook the agent's hand with the other. Special agent in charge, Marcus Cheerney, motioned Christian towards his office space. Aside from what I just witnessed, you're doing pretty well. But hi, how are you doing? <laughs> as well as can be explained considering the details. I can see why. She's a stunning catch if I say so myself. Cheerney pointed toward an empty desk in the large expanse of a room. Well, you can make your calls from here. If you need me, I'll be here in my cubicle. By the way, medical examiner called for your numbers on your desk. Great, thanks a lot. Christian said as he walked to the empty desk and put down his things. Also, your supervisor called as well. I believe his name was uh, Yates. Did it sound urgent? Not particularly. Christian said, putting his briefcase up on the desk. He dialed some numbers and put the phone on speaker while on hold. He then took off his rucksack and suit jacket. Hello, medical examiner. Hello, uh, this is Agent Christian Hawk. I was told to call you back when I got into the office. Normally, I give my cell phone information, but I guess you didn't receive it? No, no, so we called the only place we knew we could contact you. So, Agent Hawk, it appears your hunch, um, your hunch was right. Go on. Well, there was evidence of small struggle in Chase's apartment, but one nonetheless. 
There were skin samples under the nails of Child Salma Chase. We took DNA samples and waited to check and see if there was a suspect to match them. I knew it! Anything else? Oh, you were also right on the piano strings. They were bought specifically for the hanging. They were not taken from the piano, this penthouse. The case has been officially deemed a homicide. Thank you. I will be in touch if I need anything further. He said as he hung up the phone. As soon as one phone call ended, another began as his cell phone went off. Agent Hawk? Agent Hawk, this is Fred Carruthers, the security officer from the Hotel Palomar. I have some new information I think we might like. We might literally bust your case wide open. I'll be right over. Don't talk to anyone else. An hour later, Christian was in the security room at the Hotel Palomar. The security officer led him inside but made sure to close the door behind him. There was a look of nervousness on his face. Agent Hawk, there looks to be a saboteur of our equipment. This might even explain the blackouts we had prior to Mr. Chase's death. What I'm about to show you could get me fired or killed depending, but I need to make sure my conscience is clear. That won't happen, I promise. I'm all ears, Fred. What happened? Well, uh, <clears throat> this little ditty was found in the backup feed that the concierge forgot to dispose of. Originally, they said that it was because there was a technical difficulty, but from this footage, you can tell. It's bullshit. Take a look. The screen showed footage from the night of Chase's murder. Three men exited the elevator and walked into Chase's penthouse. Two of them wore dark clothing, but the last one was easily recognizable. It was Leonard Greyjoy, but in civilian attire, not his standard work clothes. They knocked on the door and entered Chase's penthouse with no problem. He let them in willingly, and then Greyjoy and one of the dark men came out on their own 20 minutes later. 10 minutes after that, the last dark man came out. Someone had the wherewithal to distort or erase the digital files on the hard drive, but forgot that Mr. Greyjoy also records events in analog tape. His mistrust of modern technology just saved my case, but if the concierge was the one who signed off on the deletion, wouldn't he also have known about the analog footage? Yeah, I bet he would. It means that it wasn't Mr. Greyjoy that authorized it. Two hours later, Christian, now wearing a bulletproof vest, walked back into the Hotel Palomar, but this time with a cadre of police officers with him. Robert Greyjoy came up from behind the desk counter and protested Christian bringing his cadre with him. What is the meaning of all this? What's going on? Robert Greyjoy, we have a warrant for your son's arrest on the death of Solomon Chase. Please cooperate with us or we will take you in as well for obstruction of justice. What did he do? This is madness! Christian ordered a group of officers up the steps. Others stayed with him. The elder Greyjoy looked angry, but dumbfounded. Christian pointed at the warrant. It's plain in the wording, sir. Your son is under arrest for being an accomplice to the murder of Solomon Chase. We can make this smooth, Mr. Greyjoy. Where's Leonard? He's on on the fifth floor delivering food. Guys, head up both stairwells. He isn't going to get far. You two, stay here with Mr. Greyjoy. I'll be back. Christian walked towards the elevator and pressed the up button. He turned back towards the concierge desk. Mr. Greyjoy, I would take this little bit of time to contact your attorney. 
You've been listening to Tales of the Nightchild, Episode 5, Rage, Love, and Things Done in the Shadows, written by Danny Atwell. In the cast you heard, Gatekeeper Mortis, played by Miguel Pedroza, Ursula the Receptionist, Special Agent in Charge Marcus Cherney, and the Medical Examiner, played by Ferd Burfel. Leonard Greyjoy, Grandpa Hawk, and Fred Carruthers, played by Danny Atwell. Matthias Gordon, played by Dan Mac McCloskey. Agent Christian Hawk, played by Chris Engel. Agent Helena Burke, played by Rachel Crosby. And Robert Greyjoy, played by Josh Schroyer. Two Minutes to Midnight by Iron Maiden. Bad by U2. And Wicked Game, originally by Chris Isaac, performed by Travis Bicknell. Special effects by Zapsplat.com. Tales of the Nightchild is a Dark Charm Media production, copyright 2023. All rights reserved.